Bridge is an acronym for books recycled to instruct, disciple, guide, and educate. We firmly believe that reading is critical for Christians to grow in their faith, and so we strive to make Bibles and gospel-based Christian books available at very affordable prices. Our purpose is to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ through written and spoken word. We do this by providing resources and educational opportunities for people to grow in their knowledge of biblical truth so that they are equipped to share that truth with others. You can visit our website at bridgebookstexas.org where you can find our reformed podcast, Bridge Radio, where we bring on Christian authors, apologists, and scholars such as Dr. James White, Dr. John Frame, Joe Beakey, Jeff Durbin, John Sampson, and Tim Trumpert. You can find Bridge Radio on iTunes, Android, Windows, and Google Play or stream via our website. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. called to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself galatians 5 13 through 14 welcome back to another episode of bridge radio coming at you from the great state of texas proclaiming the gospel fearlessly and faithfully i am your host julio Amad rodriguez now the man the myth legend aw varilla is not here today he is absent but we have one of the founders of bridge ministries uh, miss leanne den hartog Good afternoon. So happy to be here today. Oh, yeah. She's excited. Um, um, So today the topic is going to be on a book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. We have the author of the book. Not only is she a first-time guest, but also a first-time female guest that we've had on Bridge Radio. And uh, just talk a little bit about the the book, Leanne. How, How has it impacted you? And how excited are you? Okay. Oh, this is a long story. Um... I remember reading an article on Rosaria in World Magazine, mm-hmm. um, and I working in a, in a ministry and people come in and you know have tough questions about mm-hmm. life, and so I make copies or I file them, and so right. I've shared that article. And then she was in Table Talk a few years later in an mm-hmm. interview, and so I've shared that one. And then when this book came out, it was shortly before I've been gone for a month taking care of family, mm-hmm. and so I brought my Bible, her book and a book on dementia Mm. and i could not believe how much they dovetailed together Mm. Uh, another it's another crossway book by the by the way (laughs) finding grace in the face of dementia by john dunlap but uh, those books i'm you know i i brought them everywhere i was reading it to my mom in the nursing home Mm -hmm. um sharing it with people and then the impact it's had you know again making me um, give up fears and be more open, mm-hmm. and it's challenged me. Yeah, um, and we'll probably oh, yeah. get into that later. But yeah, I love this book. <laughs> All right, so we're we're very excited, and um, so just I'll go ahead and I digress, but let me uh, let me give you a, an introduction to our to our author and our guest today. So she is a former tenured professor of English and women's studies at Syracuse University, converted to Christ in 1999 in what she described as a train wreck. She is married to Kent, a Reformed Presbyterian pastor in North Carolina and is a homeschool mother, author, and speaker. She has published three books that we have all here at at Bridge Ministries, uh, The Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert, 
openness unhindered, further thoughts of an unlikely convert on sexual identity and union with Christ, and her newest book, which we'll, which uh, we're going to be talking about today, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Practicing Radical Ordinary Hospitality in an in Our Post-Christian World. She is zealous for hospitali- hospitality, loves her family, cherishes dogs, and enjoys coffee. Uh, it's an honor and privilege to welcome on Rosaria Butterfield. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. What a gracious, hospitable, warm welcome. I, I'm delighted. Thank you. Yeah, I'm no, it's, it's it's an honor and privilege again. Uh, here at Bridge Ministries, uh, amongst the ladies, you are very, very popular, <laughs> and we, we people always talk about you, and we, we always uh, recommend your books, and we have all three of them out uh, in our front uh, area where, where people could look at our books, our, our most recommended books. So we are uh, we've oh, been blessed by your work and your material and your lectures, and and uh, we go on and on. <laughs> yeah, and and we can uh, we could give you an even warmer welcome if you ever want to come to. Laredo, because yes. like today the temp is going to be like 105. So yeah, uh, if you, yeah. <laughs> you know, Durham, North Carolina isn't exactly you know we're not putting our snow pants on. Here. Yeah, it's no. 97 today. Yeah, that's so. true. That's and true. And my hair is curly, although it normally isn't, and that's just the humidity. So I think I yeah. think we're probably in the same boat. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rosaria. Well, um, could you give a, pre- a brief testimony about how God drew you to saving faith in Christ? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was um, in a committed lesbian relationship, and I was the uh, um, coordinator of a number of LGBTQ student groups on campus. I was mm-hmm. a professor at Syracuse, and I started to write a book on the religious right, and there what I believed was their politics of hatred against people like me. Mm-hmm. And in the process of, of, of researching the book and writing the book, um, this Christian men's movement, the Promise Keepers, came to town. And I okay. I really just quickly penned a, uh, like, you know, just a response to my local newspaper, but it became a big thing. It became a major editorial. And the title that, that the Syracuse Post Standard gave it was mm-hmm. The Promise Keeper's Message is a danger to democracy, hmm. and um, in some ways, that was the that was the article that that threw the gauntlet down. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I I had been at this point fairly known in my community as a gay rights activist. Um, okay. I had spoken at gay pride marches. I had co-authored oh. the first domestic partnership policy at the university. So that w- that's the forerunner for gay marriage. So you know, in many many mm-hmm. ways, especially as a Christian mom and a and a pastor's wife i look at this world today and i realize you know it's got my thumbprint all over Mm -hmm. it this is the world i helped create so Mm. i don't get to take a sabbatical right now and that's not a small admission um, Mm. on my part but in the in the process of doing these things and 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 being bold in these ways and public in these ways and, and and i think pretty clear in these ways um the lord brought a pastor into my world his Mm -hmm. name is ken smith um he's in his 90s he's still alive today um Mm -hmm. he is my and my father in the lord and many Mm -hmm. you know in all in all ways possible Mm -hmm. and um he he discovered my work because one of the younger elders in the church put my promise keeper article on his desk and said ken this woman (laughs) is trouble we need to shut her up and ken said oh well how about if floy and i invite her over for dinner Mm. And and you you can you just know what the what the young elder was thinking, right? Yeah. He's muttering to himself, walking out, saying, "This guy needs to retire." You know, <laughs> like he just doesn't. Um, but that's exactly what they did. 
with no um, pretenses. They they invited me to dinner, mm-hmm. and um, and that that was the beginning of probably hundreds of dinners mm-hmm. um, that were profoundly life changing. Oh. Um, and here's what I mean: I, I do know that people are converted by the word. But the word has hands and feet attached to it. It has casseroles and coffee cups. It has Kleenex boxes. And it, it answers the phone at midnight. And it mm. shows up to your door at four. It, it, it's relational. And mm. so that's what I learned through this older couple who did, by no means had some quote-unquote ministry to lesbians or any of that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but what happened was their home was very predictable and also very open. All kinds of people walked through the door of that house. Hmm. Um, and it was a lot like my house in that way. The, the gay community is a community highly given to hospitality. So hmm. my home was very active with people and pasta and right. dogs and friends and political activism. And especially during the 90s, this discussion about what to do with this horrible thing called AIDS. Hmm. Um, you know, so our yeah. home, my home as a lesbian was was active in those in those ways. But a big difference, and I learned over the course of those two years, was a very big difference that I was practicing a kind of liberal communitarianism. And it was based on the idea that people are basically good and we just need to be treated well and all will be well. Mm-hmm. But in researching this book on the religious right, which I never did publish, um, praise God for that, um, <laughs> Uh, I mean, <laughs> the, the, what, the, the story of what it's like to <laughs> unplug bad books that are published might be a subject of a second <laughs> right. interview. Uh, but, but, you know, I have not published only three books, but just three that, you know, <laughs> right. three that I want you to know about. Yeah. Um, so, so in the process, of course, I had to read the Bible, and I would talk about these, these problems I was having with the mm. Bible with, with Ken and Floyd, and they were tireless in in befriending me and in helping me and in um, listening to me. And then what simply happened was after years and years and years of this, the Bible got to be bigger inside me than Mm -hmm. I. And I tell people that I was not converted out of homosexuality. I was converted out of unbelief. Mm -hmm. And then the Lord started to work on those other important issues. And, um, And so I can't separate I really can't. I can't separate the hospitality of Ken and Floyd Smith mm-hmm. and my own walk with Jesus. Mm-hmm. They are as integrated as perhaps the testimony of a child who comes to faith in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what it means to be family of God. Mm-hmm. And, and so over the course of the last you know 19 years, I've had people ask me, you know, how did how did you meet these these conservative Christians anyway? And how did they find, you know, how did they read that? What was that first dinner like? What did they, they did what? They did what? You know, and, and I, I tell the story of, of what they did because here's what happened. You know, the bottom line is I, you know, was a scorpion, right? I, I hated the Bible. I thought these were idiots and I would take their food and enjoy their company and go back to campus and mock them and belittle them. And I taught thousands of college students to do the same. Wow. And so when I came to Christ, it was a very powerful reality that I was not on the side of justice and compassion and diversity, hmm. that it was Jesus I had been persecuting. And along that, all the Christians I had met hmm. um, 
the whole time. And so, so it was a very, um, you know, it, 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 uh, it was life changing and their friendship throughout all of my kicking at the goads <laughs> was life changing. And so I, I wanted to write a book about it because when I tell people this story, so many of them, so many very good, faithful Christians listen to my story and say, well, I could never do that. And they sort of walk away, rich, mm-hmm. young ruler style. Yeah. And so what I wanted to do in this book is say, you know what, people? We are in a post-Christian world. We've got to live and think differently. And if you want to see people like the person I used to be come to Christ, I think we need to leave, use our homes differently, too. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, that's what... So the book is also more more intimately about the way Kent and I use our home. Mm. Not because we think that this is the biblical model of how you should use your home, but because we think that actually experiencing some of the the nuts and bolts and rice and beans and mess <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, and conflict and <laughs> discomfort mm-hmm. you know, is, is helpful. It's helpful right, because, you right. know, what? we do not practice hospitality in la-la land, right? Mm-hmm. We don't live the Christian life in some utopia. It's right here on earth. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's got some hard edges. Yes, of course. Yeah, and I and I think I appreciate that because when I first started reading your book, I was having a really hard time because it was taking me back to, yeah, th- my home looked more like that when we lived in Michigan, and even mm-hmm. to a certain degree when we lived in Mexico, that was the uh-huh. style of hospitality. But now, um, I'm in full time ministry, um, homeschooling uh-huh. our youngest with a friend. You know, we're here mm-hmm. at the ministry all day. Um, mm-hmm. And so part of me was mm-hmm. very conflicted and felt very guilty. But I want to tell oh. people, keep reading the book because, <laughs> you know, things like you talked about bound boundaries, um, mm-hmm. you know, that it's the marathon training method, you know, the weaker person yeah. sets the pace. You know, yeah. there's just so many yeah. things that and then even as I saw it play out, um, I thought, you know, it really is. It's our, our it's our physical home, but it's our home, our body, our temple of the Holy Spirit, our home. Yeah. Because yeah. I saw that, you know, like I said, one day we're killing time waiting for them to serve lunch at my mom's nursing home, and I started reading about um, the story of Sully, how you got your dog, and I just said, <laughs> dogs are such. God uses dogs so many ways to you know, bond know, people. Yeah. I know. And so, yeah. but it was interesting. Not only my mom is enjoying it, but I'm watching the other residents. Listen, oh, good. react, oh, good. make comments. Yeah. Um, and oh, I, good. Yeah, and I thought, you know, that's the point. Um, we take our right. hospitality with us. And it, yes. and, and I know, that's too, right. in the very beginning, you talked about, yeah, whether it's your dorm room, you know, whatever. So, right. Right. Um, right, absolutely. Yeah, take the guilt to God, but just keep reading the book because there's just so many things you shared that, to me, were so encouraging and have oh, helped good. it be easier for me in the context of where I am living right now in a border town oh good and the way my life is <laughs> <laughs> right right yeah. right good yeah don't, and don't feel guilty I mean I think um, one of the things that is simply true is that we um, we all come to faith with our own culture and our own personalities still in tow right. and those aren't necessarily bad but I you know I'm Italian uh, you could probably tell from my first name. I'm mm-hmm. named after the mm-hmm. rosary. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's true. You know, some stereotypes are true. Italians have no boundaries. <laughs> you know, this idea that, like, you, you know, this just this idea that you would you would need to know how many chairs you had before how many family members would invade your house on a Sunday afternoon would just be unthinkable. 
Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so so some of this, you know, some of the some of my comfort with mess has to do with the fact that I've always been comfortable <laughs> with a kind of, you know, mess. And so my right. challenge, you know, but, you know, I don't, I don't think boundaries are, are, in, are you know, insignificant is, or unimportant, but mm-hmm. I think the challenge for all of us is measure our boundaries against the blood of Christ, right? Mm. not against our um, kind of, you know, anticipated comfort level. I mean, God is going yeah. to stretch you. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. if you pray that you, you know, one of the prayers I pray for myself is, Lord, make me useful. And if you pray that the Lord will make you useful, very quickly you will be stretched. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. One thing I appreciate about your book, too, is that it's it's the, the why and the how go hand in hand in how you describe radical, ordinary hospitality. And there isn't one yeah. definition. I, you know, I try, I'm like, oh, wait, here's yeah. another definition. Here's another definition. Yeah. So could you kind of yeah. expand on some of those definitions and sure. how you flesh this out for someone who hasn't read the book? Right, right, right. Well, first of all, you know, books have a way of being um, imprinted by by editors and publishers and things. And so while I'm an English professor by training, it's not my um, it's not my first pick to just sort of shove two adjectives together. Right, right. <laughs> so, so I think in some ways, radical and ordinary might show you that there was a little conflict about whether we were <laughs> radical or whether we were ordinary. But I also think that that says something about our Christian life, right. too, that we're not, you know, this isn't a program. This is, this is my, um, in some ways, my hospitality memoirs mm. for how and why my pastor husband and I started practicing daily hospitality. Mm. You know, what exactly happened in our world that every night, or, you know, we say almost every night, mm-hmm. because let's face it, if you've got the flu, don't share it. Right. You know, just don't. don't <laughs> Amen. You know, just, just, right. So, um, but, you know, why is it that almost every night at about five o'clock, I'm setting a table for at least twice as many people named, you know, who, mm-hmm. who would share my last name. Right. You know, why Why have we found over the years of our marriage that we often live communally with people or with families in distress? Mm-hmm. Um, and why have we never charged for that? Like, mm-hmm. why, we don't rent rooms in our house. So what, what you know, what, what caused that? And so I, I, it just seemed like it was important that the why and the how do go together. So the why, right. basically, that really prompted this was the day I woke up to discover that my neighbor, who had been a recluse mm-hmm. and someone who had no friends really except for us, mm-hmm. that uh, crime scene tape had surrounded his home and he was being arrested for making crystal meth. Mm-hmm. And we did not know that. I mean, obviously, I, I'm going to say that. Obviously, we did not know that. But mm-hmm. but we, because we were his only friends mm-hmm. and because we live right across the street, um neighbors were immediately upset and you can see why because when you dine with strangers you become strange Hmm. um it got very hot very quickly and we had to decide whether we were going to close the doors and close the shades and you know remind our children that evil company perverts and you know give the give that lecture or Mm -hmm. whether we were going to open the doors invite all the angry neighbors in (laughs) You know, make a double pot of coffee, scramble some eggs, put the Bibles out, and listen to them rant. Right. And what we discovered is that doing the latter means you're just saying, you're saying to the watching world, this is a Christian home. 
it's safe here to mm. bring your deepest, deepest fear. Mm. And it's really safe. We can lean hard on the Bible. Amen. We can lean hard on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to do this together. Mm. And if you've never seen this, just, you know, strap on your chin strap, because this is where <laughs> we're going to go. And so that's, you know, that's pretty much what happened. And there is no, there's no playbook for this. You know, you right. get up in the right. morning at 6.30, mm. there's the drug enforcement agent knocking on your door, you're just thankful you're wearing modest pajamas, you know? Like it's, you know. <laughs> but, but Kent and I had been practicing um, a very open kind of hospitality for years and years out of complete and total desperation. Mm. He and I, for years, were the only believers in our families. And you know what? We were lonely. Mm. And because of that, the, the, uh, creating a home where the family of God gathered organically and then building outside, building the outside in was kind of standard fare for us. Mm. You know, for years we had been saying, Lord, please help us to seek and find the stranger and make that stranger a neighbor and then fold that those neighbors into what it means to be a family of God. Mm. Because that's ultimately, that's the trajectory, um, uh, theologically speaking, of what mm -hmm. hospitality is. It's meet, it's seeking the stranger, and you have to seek the stranger. I mean, this is, the, this is maybe the most obvious thing to say. <clears throat> Strangers do not fall from the sky. <laughs> um, in, in our middle class, you know, lives, we can't they you know they don't just show up at our door we have to seek them out we have to find them and so i talk a little bit of it in the book how you do that but that is what hospitality does mm -hmm. it seeks out the stranger and it and it gathers her in to become your neighbor to become then your family of god by membership in the church and um membership in in and god's adopted family yeah. And, you know, it's amazing to me that in the most domestic of ways, over all these years of ministry, hmm. Kent and I have been able to see that again and again and again. You know, we've had church plants come and go. We've had, you know, we've had messy church lives. This is mm -hmm. not, it's not easy. Yeah. But consistently, we have seen... Even in the hard places, even when you're robbed, even when you end up with holes in your walls, mm. even when, you know, we have, we have seen that by treating people as an image bearer of a holy God and mm. really calling that out in people. You know, we, are, we live in a world clamoring for dignity. Yeah. That's the main battle cry of the LGBTQ community is the desire for dignity. Well, there is nothing like Genesis 127 to give you dignity you are you have you already have mm -hmm. dignity because yeah. you are an image bearer of a holy god now to to live that out you need christ's redemption so that you can live that out in knowledge Amen. and righteousness and holiness mm. but people are not going to know that because you give them a pamphlet mm. right and and you know it, the whole the whole uh you know evangelistic discourse of even 10 years ago is it just it it rings hollow this is a this is a world where your your words cannot be stronger than your relationships yeah it, it, this world does not trust it if if you come on that way hmm. um even if your words are true and good and necessary and so i i think what's you know what's what's really crucial is um is that we we spend some time building those relationships 
because the gospel is going to travel on that kind of bridge. Mm. I know. I read yesterday there was an opinion piece by J. Warner Wallace, and he was talking about the difference between people who gather um, over a shared interest versus those who gathered over a shared father. Their heavenly Father, huh. and yeah, it was it yeah. was it was talking about the medical research about how um, people of faith live longer. But he was talking about you know what what happens when people of faith come together. And I know when you shared that one story about the lady asking, "Where does the magic come from in your home?" You know, yeah. um, couldn't yeah. help but smile. Yeah. <laughs> but again, yeah. the, there yeah. are those not things. For me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not for me. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I thought right. too. I mean, just um, I'm trying to think. It was a into June in World Magazine when they were talking about the different high-profile people who've committed suicide lately. Mm. And in the article they said, um, we need to help people craft lives that are more meaningful and built on firmer foundation than personal success, built on a firmer foundation. And I just, and then, and then too, while I was in Michigan, I was talking with a friend, a Christian friend from high school, and we talked about, yeah, where some of those ministries that were on hospitality were so, it was about yeah, the China setting, the neat home, oh, yeah. you know, and we both, yeah. you know, the guilt yeah. we felt over these unreal expectations and, right, and the time right. that was spent on stuff that doesn't matter. Right. And I feel and like you your know, book is so timely. Key. Yeah, That's key because entertainment is not hospitality. Right. Mm. Um, and entertainment really asks, it, well, first of all, it solidifies the distinction between host and guest. Mm -hmm. And hospitality, that's a very permeable boundary, very much like it was in Jesus's day, right? right? I mean, Jesus is our model for all of this. So it solidifies that, but it also tends to solidify this idea that you are to be focused on the objects of of pleasure, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the table setting or, you know, the food or, and that's you know if you if you'll notice in the in the New Testament that's not how Christian <laughs> hospitality works you know it's not at not at all I mean at the end of the book of Acts I named the book openness unhindered because in the NASB those are the last two words in the book of Acts and that's Paul practicing hospitality with all openness unhindered mm. as he's on house arrest <laughs> you know, yeah. right i mean like, yeah. you know, i don't i'm thinking there are no doilies i don't know maybe not <laughs> yeah. um so we 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 want the pleasure and the comfort and the nurturing of coming together to be something that allows then deep conversations mm. of gospel truth and, and we have found that to practice hospitality daily, one of the reasons that that's been useful to us, it's actually been easier for me to, to practice daily hospitality than to micromanage these silly big events, you know, mm-hmm. the first Tuesday of the month or something. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> I mean, I just can't do that. I, I really can't. Um, but, but, you know, when you do it daily, one mm-hmm. of the things you realize is that Many of your neighbors, their lives are deeply compromised by both addictions and abuse. And you know what? As kind as it is to say, hey, can you come over the first Tuesday (laughs) of the month? I mean, as kind as that is, quite frankly, many of your neighbors do not know if they are going to be sober or safe that day. Mm -hmm. They just don't know it. But if you say, 5.30, come on in, you know... If you want to bring something, bring something. You want to bring a friend, bring a friend. Um, 
And we do this every night. We mm-hmm. have a meal. We share what we have. Mm-hmm. After the meal, the Bibles get passed down the long table along with mugs of coffee while the mm. dirty dinner, you know, while the dinner plates get passed up to the sink. Yeah. And then we have a short Bible lesson and then we pray. And yeah. we pray because we want to bring Jesus into this conversation, Correct. not to stop the conversation, yeah. but to raise it to the, to the place where it needs to be raised. And so when you do that every night, your neighbors start to get used to that. Yeah. And they start to know, you know, because one of those Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays or Fridays, they will be sober. And one of those Saturdays or Sundays, they will be safe mm-hmm. and they'll come. Right. Yeah, I just, and that was one of the things that got to me too. Um, I know you referenced in several places in your um, book that this is spiritual warfare. Yeah. And that this is something that you prepare for and that these are things that should already be in place, which again paralleled the dementia book because they were saying with people with dementia or whatever, you know, fill in the blank, that these are things that you want to already be doing because they bring such comfort later. Um, And yeah, again, I just, there was so much that spoke to me from both books. Mm -hmm. Well, that's funny because, you know, I haven't, I look forward to reading the book that you're referencing, the dementia book, but my my stepfather who lived with us for a while had Mm -hmm. dementia. And so I must say that I did learn a lot of this, a lot of the need to be predictable and scheduled, Mm -hmm. both through you know, caring for my stepfather with dementia, but also having children with special needs. Right, right. Mm. So, you know, some of this is just, you know, some, a lot of things about hospitality are also issues that, that engage our conversations about diversity. Do you want to know how to appeal to a wide group of people? Be consistent, Mm -hmm. be truthful, Yeah. (laughs) be simple. Um, Live below your means. Don't have fancy things in your house that kids can't break. You know, <laughs> I mean, just, I, I don't know. It's, you know, I, yeah, and I know right. for a lot of people that's that's really you know, like Ben's fighting words for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. but it depends upon what your you know what your objective is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I think when I was in the lesbian community, we used to say this home is 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 a is a hospital and an incubator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was a hospital in part because of AIDS. And it was an incubator because there are a lot of political issues that needed to be cooked up. Right. Well, you know, that's back in the day when unbelievers knew they were unbelievers. You know, those were good old days, right? <laughs> um, so if we could say that only working with common grace, you know, then surely the Christian community has much to offer mm-hmm. when it comes to entering this crisis of loneliness that we see worldwide. That's what's behind this rise in suicide. Yeah. And and sadly, this crisis of loneliness is not just been in the world, it's been in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, sadly, so many single Christians feel um, like the church just looks at them as people who need to be fixed or fixed up. Mm. Instead of, you know, really solid covenant households onto onto themselves right. for as long as the Lord deems. And so right. so I, I you know, I don't know. I just I biblically speaking, there are only two times when you could anticipate isolation and loneliness. One is if you're called to be a martyr and the other if you're called to be a political prisoner. Mm-hmm. 
But other than that, you know, and, and <laughs> other than that, that, you know, so we ought not to be castigating people to isolation right. either. And I don't think sometimes hmm. we do. Yeah. And I think, again, that's, that's again, the other parallel was like you said, ontologically speaking, you know, our identity is in Christ. It is, you know, yes. he created us. Yes. And it's the same thing with the elderly, because sometimes they're seen because yes. they start acting really weird or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and I saw that in my own attitude last year at my mom's home. Some mm-hmm. of the residents, to be honest, kind of scared me. But yeah, after reading yeah. your book and the dementia book, I mean, it totally changed how I interacted with them. Huh. And yeah. I can say I yeah. honestly love those residents. And yeah. something happened when you stop and look them in the eye. And yeah. it's the same thing with our neighbors or people who come in, yeah. that their value yeah. is already there. And so Absolutely. I think it helps us love them like Christ loved Absolutely. because you see them through a different worldview all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know. Absolutely. And I would say that there are people in our church who are afraid to interact with people socially because they have a low functioning special needs teenager. Right. Mm. And and you know what? Mm-hmm. They know that 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 what might come out of that child's mouth, right. or what probably will, yeah. <laughs> will scare you, will just scare you to death. And yet, yet these are faithful Christians, and you mm-hmm. know what? They need you to come up alongside them. Mm-hmm. And same is true with those with aged parents, with dementia and other things. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, you know, the body count is pretty high right now of yeah. the people who who aren't getting the... Well, the, the fellowship um, that they need, yeah. The fellowship and the and the relational aspect of the of gospel prayer, mm-hmm. and you know, there it there it is a privilege. I mean, Kent and I realize that for you know for every day of our marriage for the last seventeen years, you know, apart from you know terrible sickness, <laughs> right after dinner we have family devotions, right. and what a privilege that is. Mm. And so, why not add all of the singles in your church who want to come and do that? Why mm-hmm. not? Why not add all the single parents? I mean, it's easier to do in a group. Right. <laughs> it is. Accountability. I mean, like with homeschooling, right. that's why I, you know, yeah. yeah. So so we have found it to be a rich blessing, and we've also just had the amazing opportunity to see gospel fruit, and so have our children. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. let's let's not... Let's not discount how difficult these days are for our children. Many of them live one life on Facebook and one life Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. And if you want your child to know that Jesus is not some little prop you pull out Sunday mornings or Wednesday night for youth group, mm-hmm. you've got to live mm-hmm. like you right. believe that. Right. And when your children see the, you know, um, you know, the incarcerated meth addict come to Christ and become a brother in the Lord, let mm-hmm. me tell you what, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because that's how Jesus works. He, he, we are the outcasts, huh. redeemed, um, and we stand in, in, in the risen Christ, but we remember that he's the crucified risen Christ. Mm. So yes. we, you know, while we're grateful that God does not see our sins as he looks upon those robes of righteousness alien that they are given to us by Jesus. Mm-hmm. We haven't forgotten them. Right. And that's why we're not afraid of other people. Mm-hmm. We're not afraid of other people's sin. It's not my neighbor's sin that's going to hurt me. It's my sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, wow. I appreciate that part of the book. And I also 
another part that I've shared frequently with people um, about the adoption of your older daughter and then where you people would say, did it work out? And you said, yes, Kent and I obeyed God. And I think, mm-hmm. again, that takes the pressure off because there's so many times yeah. in the past where I thought, if I don't say the right thing or, you know, or right. I would just not even right. create the opportunity because I was afraid. Right. But yeah. now, yeah, yeah. like you said, yeah. if you prepare for battle, mm-hmm. you walk mm-hmm. with the Lord, you have these things mm-hmm. you do normally, mm-hmm. it's already worked out. Hmm. You know, you right. open the exactly. door. And you know what? The other thing you do is when Christians want to try, try to make you a poster child for something, <laughs> you run. You run like you are like you are you are training for some crazy new you right. know Guinness World Record you know postmenopausal women doing the you know whatever. I mean, you do. You just run. Yeah. Um, because that's not people do not mm-hmm. come. They do not see the 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 compassion of Jesus. Right, because you just you know mm-hmm. are are a superstar. They see the compassion of Jesus because you're a mess, and yet Jesus is allowing you to um, to be useful in His kingdom. Mm-hmm. So obedience matters the most. Yeah, and we. I know someone recently, a young, um, I'm going to be starting a a young women's mentoring study next week, and um, one of the girls I said, you know, I apologize, I said, for just kind of unloading, and I said, you know, I really do, I know God's going to work out all these situations I'm struggling with, but I'm sorry, I just kind of unloaded, and she said, no, I'm, thank you for being real, you know. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, and I think, yeah, when we are called to apologize, we apologize, but at the same time, yeah, be real with people. Yeah. That's right. That's right. If I could add one more thing, mm-hmm. sure. one very helpful thing that um, daily hospitality allows is for you to um, be engaged in a very clear way in care and compassion for the people who are easy to um, to forget about. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you, all of us, there's a lot going on right now in the world. There, the, the opportunity to spend five hours a day on social media, you know, because the whole world apparently needs to know what you think <laughs> in 140 characters or less. You know, I, I just, I, I just think that's absurd. I yeah. really do. Hmm. I think that it is much better for my sanctification to peel five hours of potatoes than say anything on social media. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I, I really do, and, and I think <laughs> it takes a certain. Yeah, I, and I think it just takes a certain amount of cult, you know, counter-cultural right. chutzpah mm. to right. just say, you know what, this is a polarized world, and Satan is not going to be jerking me around in it. I'm wow. out. Right. Mm. But I am going to go make uh, make dinner for my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. because those are the people I can do life with. Right. Well, and I think too, I just had a young lady who I love right. dearly share with me. Like two days ago, she said, yeah, I'm going to get off of social media because I know I compare myself against it, you know, again, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the poison. Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, oh, I just okay. reinforced that. But I also, I appreciated how you, I said, this book is so much more than just like how you do hospitality because mm-hmm. I like how you shared, like how you do devotions in the morning. And I, I've shared with a couple people, I said, yeah. especially as moms, it, it mm-hmm. looks different at different seasons of our life. Mm-hmm. And I shared how you right. kind of pray while you're knitting. And I said, yeah. you know, if that helps you focus and the fact that you can, yeah. and, and you know, uh, Marilyn Blackaby talks about she prays while she vacuums. And, you <laughs> know, uh-huh. I mean, it's just one of those things that, um, yeah, yeah, I think we encourage each other to 
pray however it works, whether it's peeling potatoes or, you know, knitting mm-hmm. or, you mm-hmm. know, Amen. it's, yeah. That's great. That's great stuff. Uh, so we've been talking about radical, ordinary hospitality. Uh, what are some obstacles, Rosario, that prevent Christians from showing showing it? Well, oddly enough, it's not what you lack, but it's what you have. Um, what what really prevents Christians from practicing, um, a, you know, a, a, a giving hospitality mm. is that you're just afraid that these people are going to get mud all over your white carpet or, you know, you just, if you start doing this, you're just afraid they're going to suck you dry. Um, You know, you're just, you're afraid that they're going to need things from you that you can't give. And all of those things are true. Let me tell you, Hmm. people will not take their shoes off and you will have mud in your house. And if you have white carpet, you won't have it for much longer. That's just true. <laughs> um, people, needy, hurting people, they really do need more than you have to give. Hmm. So you will have to appeal to the church. You will have to work together. We had the amazing opportunity uh, a couple of months ago now to live with um, a family displaced by homelessness. Hmm. And, um, you know, it was a pretty amazing night. The night my husband is sharing the gospel with this family, and you know what they're doing? Hmm. They're sharing it back because they're Christians. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. like, okay, these are, these are, so, so, and, but one of the things we realize is that, you know, you don't, homelessness provide, you know, it, 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 it just ravages at all kinds of other issues, and so, so there right. were many needs we, we could not meet. And so we were working collaboratively with another family in the church and um, and another church in the community. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it, so, so yes, people will need things you can't give. Your white carpet is going to be gone, so just kiss it goodbye now. Um, and it's, it is risky. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it is risky. It, it, um, it opens you up to the reality that you can't fix things, but only Jesus can. Mm. And sometimes it just opens you up to the reality that um, that suffering is part of the Christian life, and an mm-hmm. important part, too, yeah. and a very important part right. for mm-hmm. the strengthening of your soul. So, I, but, but often people will say, my house is too small. That's fine, you know, that's fine. People don't mind standing up. Um, we don't have enough chairs. Don't worry about that. We don't either. Um, you know, and yeah, really, you know, it's just, uh, um, you know, sometimes people are also concerned, well, maybe it will appear that I approve of my neighbor when I am in, inviting him over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that's where we need to stop and realize that we obey Jesus, not because we're on some, you know, we're we're winning some kind of uh, image war, mm-hmm. right. but because God never got the address, He does not get the address wrong. Your mm-hmm. neighbors yeah. need your um, gospel ministry, mm-hmm. um, and, and so and 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 I think that that's just um, that's that's important too. You know, you you are not. You are not with if you are withholding hospitality because you're concerned about what people might think. Mm-hmm. Right. That's called people pleasing, and that's mm-hmm. a sin. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, it helps to just kind of work that one that one out. Um, now, given, you know, within that, I, you know, be mindful of some other issues. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you want to be, I mean, I know people are often very concerned and is it safe for me to have, you know, these people in my home? And that's a good question. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that you are using common sense. And I would say common sense is, you know, you don't have wallets and computers out Mm -hmm. in public. Um, You know, you don't have, you know, so common sense. And, you know, I'll tell you, I learned all this, you know, when we were foster parents. So this is not, this is not hidden information Uh that's quite available. Um, But another flip side question is, is my home safe for people? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, our home is home studied in part so that we can have um, people in need here um, so that we can work with agencies like Safe Family, which is a good, you know, bridge agency to, to know how to serve the stranger, to, right. because again, they don't fall from the sky, um, <laughs> but also, you know, so that we can have um, prisoners here mm-hmm. who are in on a furlough or on a leave. And, and, and again, these are not just, these are brothers in the Lord mm-hmm. who are in a um, minimum security prison and they have a pass right be here on the lord's day and and so a good question is is my house safe for them and i'll tell you what if you if you really just have to have a full liquor cabinet open with all of your toys it's not you know it's not you know so you have to just think about it you know when you if you want your home to be an embassy and not a castle then it needs to reflect a care for people that don't live there right and that's asking a lot of people. I don't think it's asking more than what the Bible asks, but I know uh-huh. it's asking more than, you know, make sure your doilies match your teacups, <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. that means. <laughs> the language I don't speak. <laughs> well, and I think for someone, yeah, like my background, because um, I just went through 57 years of stuff in the house. I know everything my mother owned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and she mm-hmm. had all the tea sets. You know, she had the matching china, the silverware. And so growing up, um, I remember just a few years ago, my mom got mad because I put a pot on the table for dinner. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we do not uh-huh. put a, t-, you know, so, you know, I've had right, to overcome, right. but now, I, yeah, right. I've had no problem overcoming that. So, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's amazing how when you just lower your standards, how yeah. much easier it is, really. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it was all about less dishes to wash. I'll just be honest, you know, because. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, and that that's the other thing, too. I'll tell you that in our home, pretty much if it can't go in the dishwasher and it can't go in the washing machine, it's mm-hmm. not here. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, it's, I mean you know, it might be in the box in an attic somewhere, but it's not here because I, I don't want to fuss with it. Right, right. I wanted to read one part of your book that I just saw at the end of the preface. I just, I love this part. It says, my prayer is that this book will help you let God use your home, apartment, dorm room, front yard, community gymnasium, or garden for the purpose of making strangers into neighbors and neighbors into family, because Mm -hmm. that is the point, building the church and living like a family, the family of God. Um, And yeah, you said, my prayer is that you will stop being afraid of strangers. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I just, I want to tell people, I love this book. It's like a theology mm-hmm. book. I love how you go in depth with the Bible stories that correlate and all the personal stories mm-hmm. of your family. Um, 
And I know several people who are reading it right now who have opened their homes. Mm-hmm. And um, yep. because of our yeah. governor right now, our ministry has been able to pair with foster care. They do trainings here. Yay. And, uh, you know, that's Wonderful. the thing. You know, we shouldn't be reinventing oh, yeah. the wheel. We, mm-hmm. we need to do this yep. in community. And right, um, right. I just think your book is a great place to help people start yeah. You know, the whys and the Praise hows, God. and mm-hmm. then have the boldness in Christ to follow it out. But also maybe if your family isn't doing some of these things, or if you're not doing them and you're single, start doing them. You know, right. the time yeah, is now. Or, mm-hmm. or tie in with somebody who is. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because you don't want this to be a battleground in a family. You no, know, you no. really want to make sure that the, you know, if, the, if it's a husband and wife, that they're on board with each other right. or, you know. But if, if you are not really, you don't have the liberty mm-hmm. to do this, tie in with somebody yes. who does. Right. A- and, I, and I think having a biblical vision in mind is mm-hmm. so helpful. And I think Mark 10, um, verses 28 to 30 is so crucial because, you know, the gospel asks everything of us. The mm-hmm. gospel comes in exchange for the life you once loved, not in addition to it. And and God knows that. And so mm-hmm. in this particular scene, Peter is saying to Jesus, see, we have left everything and followed you. And you can you could hear the fear in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says, truly I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions Mm. and in the age to come eternal life. Well, that promise of a hundredfold of blessings, Mm. it has to do with living like a family of God. And it's very practical. It means that um, a single person is not going to have to worry about with whom she's going to spend Christmas. Mm-hmm. Because there's the family of God, yeah. it means that the the, the 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 you know the the person in your church who's struggling and struggling well, battling well against <laughs> um, same sex attraction or other sexual mm-hmm. sins, is not worried about being um, you know being without a family because because there's the family of God. Right. And, 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 and it also means that those people who are privileged to have homes with guest rooms and, um, and a kind of stability in, in that particular moment in time, it means that you look out for the people that you know are gonna be lonely over Christmas time and you right. say, just move in, just move in. Right. You right. know, and then you dial it back so that your Christmas isn't all about a, um, a hermetically sealed group of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. You dial it back. So the I just think that this this verse is a promise. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you will receive a hundredfold, and the promise is going to come through the church, or it's not going to come at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't come at all, we can't blame God for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all on us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Rosario, we're coming up on time. Man, it was so fun mm-hmm. speaking with you. I, we, we enjoyed it very, very much. Um, but as Thank always, at, for our guests uh, who come on to the program, we always allow them to share the gospel. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God. So, Rosario, for those who are listening to this program and who do not know Christ, could you please share the gospel? Oh, man. I, there's nothing more that I would love to share. And I would just 
what I would want to say is that if you're listening to this program, first, please know that you don't, we don't have an arbitrary God. You're not listening to this program because of some kind of, you know, serendipitous mistake on the radio dial. Mm -hmm. God planned and prepared for you to know that you don't need to be a stranger, that we want you to be our neighbor and our family, and that while the gospel does ask that we die to ourselves, it gives us so much more in the risen Christ. And what I would say is that um, if you go to the website of um, of this ministry, of Bridge Radio, or if you go to my own website, um, you will find a local church. And my, my prayer for you is that you will walk into that local church and get to know a new family and open that Bible and see what God has for you. Mm-hmm. Because you have nothing to lose and you have everything to gain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Amen, Rosaria. Well, where can, besides Bridge uh, Ministries, they could definitely find your book here for those who are in, uh, in, mm-hmm. in our community. You could stop by. We have um, all three of Rosaria Butterfield's uh, books that she has authored. Um, but where else can they find you? Um, well, certainly you can go to um, to Amazon, right? Where just mm-hmm. never find everything, <laughs> <laughs> right? Everybody, and then and then, right? You know, buy toilet paper and my books. You know, yeah. um, you can you can also find the Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert and Openness Unhindered uh, at Crown and Covenant. Okay, and you can find the Gospel Comes with a House Key at Crossway. All right. All right, Rosaria. Well, it was an honor and privilege to have you on again, and we would love to have you back to come on and uh, and do uh, uh, the other privilege. two of your of your books and uh, and definitely. I uh, love that. Oh, it would be great. <laughs> we will do it. <laughs> All right. All right. Lord bless you. Yes. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, um, that was this podcast. Uh, if, if you're a new listener, we're up on iTunes, Google Play, Android, Stitcher Radio. And right now we are developing our own app with Subsplash. And uh, this podcast will be there as well. You could subscribe. You could find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, next week we're going to be having Harry Reader from uh, Briarwood Presbyterian Church come on. He's going to be talking about discipleship. And we are uh, extremely excited. And uh, so, yeah, please stay tuned for that and uh, be on the lookout for that one next week. And uh, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And we will see you next week. Thank you very much.